Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Logic Sports Podcast. Today, I'll be joined by Nasir Subar and Daniel Pleat. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good, man. Doing good. I'm doing well. You know, NFL season starts today, so pretty hyped. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty hyped, too. I'm pretty excited for uh, week one, but let's get right into it. Um, a lot of big sports news in the past week. Uh, week one in college football kicked off, and a lot of marquee teams took the field. Also, former NFL Defensive Player of the Year and three-time Pro Bowler Khalil Mack was traded to the Chicago Bears. We'll get into that. Um, like Dan said, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, start off the NFL season taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Nick Foles will get the nod for the Eagles this week. We'll discuss him and other quarterbacks. Also, we can talk about uh, some Le'Veon Bell and how he's not reporting to camp still. And uh, the race for the AL wildcard spot. So, um... Let's start with the biggest news from the past week, and it's Khalil Mack getting traded to the Oakland Raiders. They pulled the trigger, traded the star defensive end, Khalil Mack, and uh, a lot of people were kind of surprised about this. How'd you guys feel? See, personally, I was shocked because I thought that they would eventually have to work out this deal. They have to end up getting him back for the Raiders, so to speak, because they really need this defensive end. He's yeah. been on the team yeah. for years. He's been an impact player. He's one of the best DNs in the league. So for yeah. him not to get signed, for them to trade him, it kind of shocked me. I mean, it, it started off with John Gruden. He comes in and, and there were there were reports of him not calling Khalil Mack for a while. Yeah. Like like months. And I mean that that's a guy who who won who wins two two different positions for all pro one year. I mean you, you gotta talk to him if you're the coach, you know. So I think I think the Raiders had to do it eventually. And I think the Bears kinda just swooped in and, and made a made an aggressive play. Smart play. I mean, if you look at what the Bears gave up, they gave up two first-round picks for the next two years. They also gave up a 2020 third-round pick and a 2019 six-rounder, while the Bears will get Khalil Mack a 2020 second-round pick and a conditional six-round pick. How do you guys really think, like, I mean, who do you guys really think won this trade? Um, personally, I'd say the Bears. Because if you look at their linebackers now, they've got Rokon Smith, they've got Leonard Floyd, Danny Trevathan was an all-pro at uh, in Denver. Yeah. And now you just added Khalil Mack, who's a pre- premier defensive end coming off the edge. I think they could be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I, I like the Bears too, but I mean, at this point, I, th- I think the Raiders had to do it, like I said, so I think this was the best thing for them. They, uh, they they got two first-rounders out of it, which is great for your future. I mean, they already got Derek Carr, who looked like he could be solid. They got a good line. They got good people around them. And, and their defense, even without Khalil Mack, is not that bad. So, I mean, I wouldn't say they won the trade, but I, I wouldn't say they lost it either, you know. But to think that you get rid of your one of your top players on your team, yeah. a leader, a professional. Oh, no, no, no. So I, I know. I know. Only he's like young. twenty-six, I believe. He's very, he's very good. I, I, you can't, you can't dispute that. But I think, I think because John Gruden came in, it, it kind of messed it all up, and and he wouldn't have even produced as much knowing that he didn't, he wasn't getting paid. You know, I think they had to do it. I mean, if I'm the Bears, I'm not making that trade only because I feel as the team, the Bears aren't that well stacked to go out and pay someone. $141 million when and also give up your next two first round draft picks. This team wasn't even in the playoffs last year. They weren't anywhere close to the playoffs okay. last year. And you're going to give away all your money to one defensive end who can impact the game, but will he really impact your team and lead them to the playoffs? But see, they're going off of what they believe. And me and Dan were talking about this earlier, and I'm pretty sure you were in on the conversation as well. We were saying how Trubisky 
could be what Winston. That's what Dan's point was a while ago when yeah. we had this conversation. But that he could be that unpredictable factor. So they made this power move to try and set themselves for a playoff fight. Because if you think about it before, the season before, the Eagles didn't make it. The Cowboys made it. Yeah. So maybe in their thought that this could honestly make a huge impact for them. Khalil Mack last year had 10 and a half sacks. 2016, he had 11. 2015, he had 15. The last three years, Jeez. that's 10-plus sacks. He that's has 40.5 in his monster. career four years. That is a huge, that is a huge impact for it's your team. a monster, man. I mean, he's a, he's a game-changer for sure, but... Look at the Raiders team. Like, without Khalil Mack, if you look at the Raiders and you look at the Bears, who do you really think is better on paper? Right now? Without without Khalil, Khalil Mack, Mack, yeah. Yeah, that's a close one. But I still think I still do think that they have Danny Trevathan can match up with yeah. Bruce Irvin. I mean, I think the Bears' defense is going to be really good, but you look at the Bears and how, like, look at their division. They have to go against Aaron Rodgers and the Vikings, and the Lions aren't that bad, but the Bears are just going to have to go through a lot of teams in the deep See, NFC. But that's where that's where what Nas had brought up. Uh, about uh, Carson Wentz, that's that's what we were saying two years ago. Cowboys went twelve and four with Zeke, a great line, and Dak. People thought Dak was the the quarterback of the future for them, and then Eli and Odell. So they they got to the playoffs too. So so yeah. even though they have Rodgers, Rodgers obviously a lot better than Dak and Eli. But even though they have Rodgers, they have they have Cousins in their division. They got Stafford. Yeah. I think Khalil Mack will really give those uh, quarterbacks a little bit of uh, nightmares sometimes. You know. Yes. Yeah, he definitely he definitely will, but. For the Raiders, at, like as a locker room, what do you think they're really feeling right now? The Raiders, I think they're in shock. Did you see the tweet from uh, Derek Carr? He was he was in all that they traded. Yeah. Because you know that's his guy on the field, off the field. Because him being the quarterback, he has to be the vocal leader for the offense. Uh, Khalil Mack's the defensive leader, but they come together so they have to lead the team. That's like losing your brother. He's going now. They just yeah. shipped him away. So I think that's I, I don't I don't see how how they can really explain that to the players. All, all the players in, on, in the Raiders locker room knew this guy was the real deal. He's only been in the league, what, three years? Four, Four years. Four years. So, I mean, he, he's obviously the real deal. Like I said, he won All-Pro in two different positions. You don't see that happen almost ever. And um, I think they're obviously in shock, and they're, they're, prob- they're probably angry, honestly. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see how that uh, locker room uh, takes shape this year. I mean, John Gruden better just know what he's doing coming in. Like, he, he lost his job there before, and... They basically gave a hundred million to their coach and not a hundred yeah. million to their star defensive uh-huh. end. So, we'll see like who really wins that that trade in the future. But as of right now, I'm gonna say that the Raiders won the trade just because looking into the future, the Raiders can do a lot with saving that money and also using those two first round picks on yeah. on um, talented players. Yeah, I, I would also probably say the Raiders just because they got so much in return, even though they gave up a second round with them. I would say. I would say um, that they're really in a good position for the future at this point. Carr's young, uh, Cooper's still pretty young. It's got Jordy Nelson. They, they could uh, they could compete soon. See, uh, I just looked up uh, last year's defensive ratings to check, and it looks like the Chicago Bears defense was actually number ten for the season in yards. So they were a good they were wow. a good premier defense. So you added Khalil Mack to this team. They could cause some problems in that division. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, basically for the Bears, it relies on the offense and first-year head coach Matt Nagy coming yeah. from Kansas City. I mean, there is a lot of similarities with Carson Wentz because Doug Peterson came from Andy Reid yeah. in uh, Kansas City also. And if Trubisky can take that se- second step, they got him a target with Allen Robinson and Trey Burton coming over from the Eagles. 
they have uh, Howard and Tariq Cohen, which is a really good backfield for the NFL. Their line isn't too bad, so it's really all on Trubisky if this team wants to succeed or not, and they're probably going to have to get 10 wins to make the playoffs. Yeah. They, they also added uh, Taylor Gabriel, who I thought was a really underrated ad. Yeah, he, he was backing up Sanu and, uh, and uh, Julio, and that's, those, slot, are, those yeah. are two guys who, who, even though he's backing them up, those are two great guys, so he's still, I thought he was pretty good. Well, let me ask you all this. Who do you think has the better potential for this upcoming season? Derek Carr or Mitchell Trubisky? I would say I would say based off of, of this trade, honestly, I would say Trubisky. He he has all those weapons and then a defense really just, just helps that quarterback get, get comfortable. Because if your defense is getting stops, quarterback is kinda like relaxed. He's like, let's just get a quick touchdown, or our defense will stop him, you know. So he now has those weapons and now has Khalil Mack helping the like you said, the tenth best defense. I'm gonna say Trubisky because Derek Carr lost Michael Crabtree who was a big red zone target for him. And he ended up becoming number one over Amari Cooper. And, like, Jordy Nelson's coming in there now, but who knows what Jordy Nelson is without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he could really struggle. And Trubisky just, like, can really only go up. He had a subpar rookie season. Yeah. But I think he can only go up. He has increased targets, new head coach. There's definitely a lot to like about Trubisky and just, like, the Bears' offense as a whole. So I think Derek Carr is kind of the Raiders need to rebuild kind of now after getting rid of Khalil Mack. They have to figure out what they're going to do for Derek Carr to succeed because right now the team is directionless. Right now with the Bears, they can only go up from so, here. So you think they're going to rebuild? I think they sh- I don't think they're going to rebuild, but they I think should. they should rebuild. Okay. That's interesting. What about you, Nas? What did you think of it? For them, see, the Raiders, I think they're a little bit shaky. I think Trubisky's going to be the better fit because, like you said, they were the number 10 ring defense last year. He's got these weapons. They added Taylor Gabriel, who's going to be a great slot for yeah, them. They yeah. added uh, Eagles, former Eagles tight end. Trey Burton. Trey yeah, Burton. Yeah. That's a good pickup. So Love that pickup. He could, be a, he could be a good weapon for them as far as tight ends. And then I feel like Jordan, How- Jordan Howard and uh, Tariq Cohen are good pickups that can both uh, make them solid. Well, um, yeah, I think what you said was really correct, and the Bears are just going to be a big question mark this year on how yeah, the definitely. season is going to go. But um, let's shift gears a little bit, and let's go to the Diamond. Uh, let's talk about the AL, where the New York Yankees uh, just finished up a three-game series against the Oakland A's. Uh, these two right now have been in the wild card spots for basically like the whole season. The Yankees have the second-best record in baseball, and the A's aren't too far behind them with the fourth best record in baseball. Do you think any teams like Seattle, who was five and a half back, and Tampa Bay, who was seven games back, can catch them? Or if not, do you think? I mean, who do you think will win this uh, series? I mean, I saw a lot out of Seattle before. Um, I know they moved uh, King Felix to the to the bullpen, didn't they? Yeah. And um, so I mean, they they kind of they kind of fell off a little bit when they were near the wild card. But I think it's definitely possible they can catch them. But at this point, I think Oakland and the Yankees have it. They're, they're much ahead. Oakland just played the Yankees so well that series. And, and the Yankees are just the Yankees. When Judge comes back, I mean, they're going to have that star power. They, they could possibly get to the World Series. I don't see anyone coming after uh, both of them, honestly. Yeah. Um, personally, I don't see any team catching up to the Yankees. I feel like they have too much depth. With them bringing in uh, McCutcheon just for the filling. And even when Judge comes back, that's just more power to the lineup. So it's consistent batting. As long as their pitching is flowing throughout the season, has, like it's been, their batting's been consistent. 
And I think they're too far along in this process for them to be caught up with. Yeah, I th- uh, I could have made an argument for Seattle maybe a couple of days ago, but they started losing a lot of games. There there was the rumor or the fact that they had a fight in their locker room. Yeah. So it seems to be going downhill. And Tampa Bay, seven games out. Uh, Oakland is just too good. Like, you look at the, the Yankees and Oakland, these guys are playing 500 baseball their last 10 games, and that's them playing bad baseball. So when these guys get rolling, it's going to be hard to catch them, and they just have so much star power. And they find way to score runs, and Ace just find ways to win games. There, there still is a lot left, though. Like I, I don't think we can count Seattle or the Rays out, but just just as of now, I would say probably Yankees A's. However, like I don't know, like baseball baseball is really unpredictable. Like you look at the Mariners lineup, they they got they got the guys to do it. If anyone, they got they got D Gordon at, at second with with Segura next to him at short. I mean, you got Kyle Seager there. Like that infield is really good. They also have Cano. And then they got they got some pitching. They got they got Diaz, Hernandez, uh, James Paxton. They got you know they they got some guys. Nelson Cruz as as a great hitter. Yeah. They got the guys to do it. So like I wouldn't put it past them if they did come back to get someone. I just mm. you got to see someone slow down. Like do you, do either you think that Oakland or the Yankees will really slow down when it comes to the, the stretch of the baseball season? See, to the point of that, I think there's a possible chance that they could just because the last they, out of three of their games they have uh, the Boston Red Sox. And that's the hottest team in baseball right oh, yeah. now. So that's going to be a tough series to fight out against. They could probably go 2-1, to one, but that would probably be the best-case scenario for them. And then to end the season, they also have three games with the Orioles, and they have four games with the Rays. So those two games are a little shaky. The Orioles is going to probably be an easy sweep just because of the talent that the the Yankees have compared to the Orioles and them going down as could yeah. be the worst but, team. But the Rays were going to look at that last Yankees game and try to get within striking and distance. Them through it. Exactly. But, they have four games to make their mark. Yeah, but I just think it's hard. You just think of like the firepower on this offense. Chris Davis leads the league in home runs. He has 40, and he's also second RBIs with 102. And then they also have the A's also have guys like Jed Lowry, who has 86 RBIs on the year. The Yankees, obviously, John Carlos Stanton's having a good season, 33 home runs. Uh, and then the two rookies, Torres and Andujar. A lot of teams don't have talent like this to uh, really compete. And the Yankees are so deep. Their pitching staff is deep. They have guys who, like starting pitchers who can go into the bullpen and bullpen players who can start games. So I don't think any team can catch them. And when they play one game in Yankee Stadium, it's going to be interesting to see who wins. Yeah, I guess like Nas said, it, it, it really depends on, on the rest of their schedule. Uh, like like I know, the, uh, the the Mariners actually have the A's for three games, uh, second to last series. So I mean, if yeah. if they're in striking distance, Seattle just has to win those games. Like they have to have more heart than them, because the A's might might be like we're 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 okay. Like we we have three games against them, we're still pretty pretty good. And if they if they can't if they catch them sleeping, I mean, the A's could just fall off. And then they got the Rangers in the season. The Rangers are nothing nothing too special. So I mean, I think they could do it. They they would have to get past the Yankees. Uh, starting on a Friday, I believe. That they have a three game series with them, yeah. and then they they still got they, they got the Astros, which is also hard on them. They got the the Padres, Angels, Rangers twice. I mean, they got some easy games. If they win those easy games and then kind of split with the hard ones, that that that's the recipe for for making the playoffs. Yeah, see, when you really think about baseball, and every game is a real quote unquote easy game, just yeah, because true. any outcome can happen. Your pitcher could get yeah. hurt early. Have a bad game. You could have bad game. The see, team that, could... that's why I'm saying that they have to win those those easy games. Like it it should be an easy game. And and that's why that's why there's teams that that don't win them because they're not actually prepared because they're, they're overestimating them. So if the Mariners really want to make that run into the playoffs, 
they really got to, like, like hone down. in and, and, and just beat those think, teams down easy. You think they can bring it together after the fight in the locker room? I mean, I don't know how, how severe that fight really was. Like, but anything in the any, locker any room. Fight between, Especially during this time. Like, they were one, two games in striking distance between the Yankees and the, and the A's, and they just fell down. So I think it's just going down. I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be hard, but, but there, there's... Going there's down. all these there's all these sayings like like when you hit rock bottom like there's only one way to go so these this team just had a fight in their locker room in my opinion that's one of like the lowest things you could do have an internal fight that yeah. ruins your chemistry but but if they actually had that fight maybe it was you never know it could have been one about the passion of the game like they could have been fighting because they didn't win a game and they, and they really needed yeah, that but game I, I think in baseball though when you have a fight in the locker room it's different than in basketball or football because you're with these guys on the road all day every day yeah. It's a grind, 162-game season. So if you guys aren't getting along, On the you guys need to play as a team. Even in the field, you guys need to know, have each other's back. And like, if you're not happy, you're not happy with your team, That your numbers are going to go down personally. So I think yeah, the whole will. team can suffer. So the Mariners, like, hopefully they could pull it together and make a run, but I just think it's unlikely at this point. I would love to see point. it, man. I would. It but would just make the race interesting. Chemistry is a huge thing, so if there was a fight, which there probably was, then they probably would be out at this point because of that, but... You never know. Like it could have been because of the passion of the game, and they could all just come together. Well, I guess we'll see. Honestly, well, as of now, who do you think can win the uh, AL minus the Red Sox? Who do you think can compete with the Red Sox? I mean, I, I I don't see why the Astros can't. They didn't lose anyone. They they just pretty much gained people since winning a World Series. I mean, this team they got it all at this point. And I think even though the Red Sox have. What bets and Martin and uh, JD Martinez are both a three fifteen over with like thirty. Martinez got like thirty home runs. I mean, they're good, but I think the Astros with that pitching along with that underrated hitting, I think that they can really pull it together and 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 beat them in the uh, in like a seven. Honestly, like probably game seven would have to come down to. Dude, I think the Yankees could honestly make it out of that wild card spot. I think that they could really? contend. Really? The combination of Judge. And John Carlos Stanton, I think that's pretty powerful. And coming down in the playoffs, I think they're going to be the two players carrying them the most that can honestly yeah. lead them to the victory over this uh, over the Red Sox. I mean, Shamar, as as a Yankee fan, I mean, you could probably vouch for that, can't you? I mean, yeah, I think <laughs> I think so. But if I had to choose a team, it would kind of be a surprise team in the Indians, mm-hmm. just because okay. the Red Sox they've been hot all season long. The A's, they've had their runs, and so have the Yankees. But the Indians have just been consistently good, and they haven't really had their hot streak yet. So they won that. They're gonna win their division with ease, and it's been like that the whole year. Yeah. But when they come into the playoffs, they can really like turn it on when they need to play meaningful baseball. And I think that's kind of scary because baseball in the playoffs is really about what team gets hot at the yeah. end. And to be honest, I think the Indians can find that with Francisco Lindor and leading the troops. And uh, yeah. the Indians were weren't too far away from winning a World Series a couple years ago. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again. The Indians really got that. Like after getting Donaldson, they got they have so many guys who can just who can who can easily play the infield. Like these good these good hitters too. Like you got defense. They, they got almost probably some Gold Gloves maybe this year. Kipnis maybe like he's, he's a great defender. But they also got that hitting. Like Lindor, Lindor's a pat. Like he can, he can hit it. Like he's a what's the word I'm trying to say. He he just he's just an all around kind of hitter. You know he can hit the home run. He can hit the single. He can get the walk. And then you got like Ramir Jose Ramirez who just. He he almost won them a World Series a few years ago with with that home run to tie it. I mean they they got those they got those players they got that experience. I I, I could see it too honestly. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on from baseball, let's go back to the NFL. And as I said earlier, the NFL season does kick off tonight. But 
let's not talk about the game Finally, yet. Right? Let's <laughs> yeah, for real. But let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. I don't think his season is kicking off just yet. Uh, his agent asked the Steelers what his workload would be, and he said they didn't answer. So you can read between the lines. So if you, what I analyze out of that is they think that the Steelers aren't gonna are gonna let go of Le'Veon at the end of the year. If Le'Veon comes in and plays, they're just gonna give him a huge workload, wear him out. So whatever team gets him next, he's not going to be the same kind of like Dallas and DeMarco Murray. I know it wasn't really playing like that, but DeMarco had a huge workload that year. The next year he came back, he wasn't the same DeMarco Murray. But when do you think Le'Veon plays? You can go, Nas. Um, Le'Veon playing? I think it'll be quite some time before we see Le'Veon play. <laughs> Just because he's been going through this situation for years, getting franchise tag, franchise tag. <laughs> he wants to make the big bucks. He's heard Todd Gurley got freaking paid recently. Yeah. So he's trying to get that number. He's trying to get his money up to where he is, where he's being capable of being one of their their number one rusher, one of the best running backs in the league, and then being your second best receiver. Behind yeah. you behind the best receiver in the league. Behind the best receiver in the yeah. league. So yeah. if you're going to give him all this work and not pay him, I can see why he's not sitting out. So I think until they figure out the money situation, we won't see him. I mean, this is – I feel like you can argue this is the best running back in the game right now. Yeah, he, he probably isn't. So, so having – At least you, can, you can't argue that. So, so why would you not – like, that's, that's like the same thing with Khalil Mack. That's probably one of the best linebackers in the league. Like, pay this man, you know? You've been franchise tagging him. You've been playing games with him for three years, man. Like, you got you to gotta finally just pull the trigger and just pay him because, like, you don't want to lose him. And now you probably will. You got you got the whole O line ripping him because he didn't because he didn't show up. Yeah, that's you, you got look. you got everybody's talking talking trash to, about him, and like he just at this point I feel like he'd rather just stay home and and chill. This is the internal world that the media is creating through it out because yeah. we're all waiting, we're all analyzing, watching to see when he's gonna come. Hopefully, hoping he's gonna play this week. Oh, maybe he'll make his announcement to play yeah. this week. You got players like Mike Pelsey saying, "Oh, bet he'll be here by this Tuesday." How you can confirm that? But it hasn't happened, and it's not gonna happen. I mean, I think it's a bad look for Le'Veon at this point. I don't think I would want to come back. Yeah. My guys, Mike Pouncey and Ramon Foster, they're in front of me, and they're mad at me. So those are the guys blocking for me. Yeah. Do I really want to go out there knowing they're mad at me, have a grudge at me, and they're calling me selfish? So, I mean, like, Le'Veon just created a bigger problem over the money. At this point, you just take the 14.5 mil, prove your worth, and then if they want to let you walk next year, let them let you walk and let it be at I'll, that. I don't, think he can, I don't think he can even go back to the Steelers at this point. He can't, he but say, there's just no his, way. Prove his worth. But at this point, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have to prove three anything. Seasons, he doesn't, but I think Pittsburgh is just trying to see what they're going to do because at this point, Ben is about to retire. This team should have won a Super Bowl years ago. Since Le'Veon came here with Le'Veon, Antonio Brown, Beth, Ben Roethlisberger, if he wasn't picking Pittsburgh to win a Super Bowl, they haven't. So I think Pittsburgh is seeing it from a bigger picture. If Ben Roethlisberger retires, they can't win with a Hall of Fame quarterback. They don't know if they can get another good quarterback like that. So, I mean, they're trying to just see, like, wait, wait out year by year. They're trying to wait until they win a championship, and then they're going to pay Le'Veon, I think. I think, I think Le'Veon's just got to gotta sit down. Like, he's actually got to go to the facility and sit down with – the GM, the owner, the coach, and and have a real conversation. Like this is this is a real world. This is a real world idea. This is what he he thinks he has this value. So if you don't think that, I'm walking. You know, if I'm Le'Veon, I'm thinking if if you don't think I'm this valuable, I'm gonna walk because I am this valuable. So I think he's got to yeah. sit down with these guys who are, who who give him that check, and he's got to tell them what his worth is. And if they don't agree, like 
See, but I think, it, I think the thing about that is I feel like he's been doing this for years. He's been trying to claim what his self-worth is. He's been proving it on the field. He's been proving it daily, probably working out. I'm not sure. I'm not in that locker room, so I can't say what he does inside that locker room. But I can tell you what I see in the field. I see results. I see yeah. touchdowns. I see yards. I see a productive player, one of the most productive players in the league, as Samar said. He's the impact player that, along with alongside Antonio Brown, yeah. he's the impact player that yeah. – Needs to be on their team that they need to pay. They can't go. They they're gonna see week one when he's not there. It's gonna be a different outcome. This this is leader. this is where I think like going going off your point that this is where I think that he he wants to find the the passion of the game or uh, the money like his value what he values himself finally trumps the uh, passion of the game that he has. Like he he was going through being franchise tag, but he's like he's like it's either I take like the money that they're giving me and play the game I love, or I hold out, don't get paid. And and I don't play football, you know. And at this point, he 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 really does believe because he just had another amazing season that he is that good and he should think, be getting paid the money. I think he would have showed up if Todd Gurley never got paid. Really? I think that really like the Rams to go yeah. out. Todd, Todd Gurley had a good season, a bad season, and a good season, and they paid him already. They paid him money, and the Steelers can't even come anywhere close to that. I think Le'Veon takes that kind of personally. Yeah, he definitely does. He's got. And you know the thing is about running backs, that window for their career is small. Oh, it's so, it's small. so small. I Always think Pittsburgh is looking though. at that too. So. Always getting hit. So, but Especially the thing is, him. he's still he's still young though. He's still young enough for them to at least give him like a three year, four year yeah, max contract type yeah. of deal. Like give him some money that he can be like, yeah. okay, thank you. Like I understand how you feel about me. Like you value me as yeah. a player. But what I do for this team, I I can see where Pittsburgh's coming. I don't really want to pick a side, but I can see where Pittsburgh is coming from because like he's basically getting hit like a running back and also hit like a receiver all in one season. So he's getting he's no getting hit a lot of he's getting hit a lot. So I mean we'll see what happens and it'll play out. So, but let's talk about uh, some actual football and some <laughs> players that will be on the field for Week One. Um, a lot of quarterbacks got the nod this week. Nick Foles, Nate Peterman, Joe Flacco, Tyrod Taylor, Sam Bradford, and Sam Darnold all have been announced week one starters. Um, some of these are kind of questionable in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with Sam Bradford. If you look at the numbers on paper, Sam Bradford isn't a bad quarterback. His last season that he actually started a good amount of games, he started 15 games with the Vikings. He had 3,877 yards, 20 touchdowns, and only five picks. And a lot of people look at that and say, why wouldn't you want your quarterback to do that? But my problem with Sam Bradford is he doesn't throw the ball down the field. He's got issues, and man. And <laughs> that year, he was 20th in yards per, per attempt. So you're, you can't win games by throwing the ball five yards down the field every single time. You need to stretch the field and let everything play out. But... Overall, I think the best situation coming into this that I like the most is Tyrod Taylor. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a great quarterback, but I don't think he's ready yet. And Tyrod Taylor has just been a solid quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. He's not going to put up crazy numbers. Only 14 touchdowns last year and less than 3,000 yards, but only four interceptions. And obviously, he's a big impact on the ground. But what other situations, uh, quarterback situations, are you guys looking at? So you know, you know what quarterback situation I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at the one in Buffalo. Let's, Gosh. <laughs> let's really think about this. Nate it's Peterman. A fire over there. Nate, Nate Peterman, Mr. Five Picks One Half. Oh, he is their starting quarterback for Week One. Now this baffles my mind because why would you draft 
Josh Allen if you're not even going to start him? Like, is the potential for Nate Peterman that much different for a number one overall or not number one overall? Your first round pick? That's kind of crazy to me. I think Josh Allen has to be the one that's playing for you so he can get that experience. He's going to go through some rough, rough patches because he's a little edgy, but he's got the talent and the skill that he could probably facilitate and make up for it. So I think that could like work out if they end up making that switch because Nate Peterman is unreliable. I mean, like 252 yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions, and two starts for Nate Peterman. Gosh. How could you not want him as your starting quarterback? <laughs> How could you want him? I couldn't want him even if he was the only one I could get. You know, you can grab freaking McNabb out the dump and put him on the field before I'm playing Nate Peterman. There's, there's a lot of guys that would take over Nate Peterman, I'm not going to lie. The guy I'm looking forward to see out of the quarterback picks, I'm thinking uh, Sam Darnold's going to have a good first week. I think he might be all right. I think the Jets, they're a little bit of a struggle team, but I think he could hopefully bring them back from the butt fumble and get them <laughs> and get them past the mountain that they've been on. Yeah, he'll probably be the bright spot on that really uh really bad team. I know Shamar was Shamar was actually saying some bad stuff about him coming out of college, but he's he's lightened up to him, so I think he might actually yeah. be uh, kinda good. Um in my opinion though, uh out out of the I'm not I'm not gonna say one of the guys you named, I'm actually gonna go to uh, Joe Flacco. I, I think that they put R G three as his second string, you put Lamar Jackson who is your thirtieth overall pick from last year's draft at uh, third string, but from Joe Flacco, I didn't see enough out of him last year to actually keep playing him if I'm going to draft a quarterback. I, you, you now have RG3, who's obviously injury-prone, but he's brought a team to the playoffs. Who I think is better. Yeah, I also think is very good. And you also have Lamar Jackson, who he might not be a, a great passer, but he he they have quarterback coaches to help him with that. So so if you hire the right guys, I think your 30th overall pick could be good. And you got to give him the chance now so that he gets that experience for when he's older. I think so, too, because Flacco's just going down. Last year he, he had is. his lowest yard total in his career and 13 interceptions, only 18 touchdowns. Like, that was a former Super Bowl MVP. This is not it. And, like, it's not the same Joe Flacco. And at this point, RG3, a lot of people will criticize him, but – in the preseason, he didn't look too bad to he me. He was the sharpest player. And at, the yeah. player. and at this point, I mean, the Ravens, I don't think they're going anywhere this year. So, I mean, if I was the Ravens, I would start Lamar. But the smart decision would be to start Robert Griffin III, I think, if you're trying to win games right now. Yeah, I would also I would agree with that. I think Lamar just needs to put on a little bit more weight, get his arm right, get a couple weeks in practice so he can start getting better because his throws were a little bit off this preseason. But I think he's the guy to go to, and he just needs to protect himself because there were some hits yeah. in the preseason that I saw, and that, that kind of like had me at a flashback with Mike Vick when he was on the Eagles, always getting banged up and hit. Yeah, and that's the that's the problem with the uh, the dual threat quarterbacks because they they get their bodies more exposed. Yeah, but um, let's talk about the one quarterback we didn't, and that's Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. <laughs> and it pains me to say it, but the defending Super Bowl champion yes, Eagles. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> do play tonight against the Atlanta Falcons. What do you guys expect from Nick Foles? Uh, I mean, I-, I said this before. I think he might just come out and light it up. He- he's he's on that Super Bowl high. He's He could just really come out, and if he's clicking with uh, the guys that he clicked with in the Super Bowl, like Ertz, like Aguilar, like uh, like the running backs behind him, I think he could really uh, show something that he didn't show in, the- show in the Falcons playoff game last year. But you're missing the top two receivers from that Super Bowl are not going to be there. Torrey Smith... Not really the top receiver, but depth chart wise, he was. He's in Carolina now. Alshon Jeffrey's not going to be playing. Yeah. Foles is going to have limited targets, but I think he can win the game. It's gonna it's gonna be a low scoring game, but 
think defense comes I out think, this game? Well, yeah, yeah. defense is going to come out this game. It's just going to come to ball possession. Foles only had two picks and three starts last year, but the Falcons' defense isn't going to be one to really lock you down, but Nick Foles can, can actually excel in that. But also, they're not one that you can roll over either. They can actually play some good defense, and Nick Foles is going to have to make some good throws if they want to win that game, especially without his targets. Yeah. See, I think he's going to have to have a solid game. I don't think he's going to come out and light it up, no offense, because <laughs> I, I just can't see him doing yeah, it just first opinion, game. Man. <laughs> just, from, just from what I've seen in the preseason. I'm not saying preseason is the end-all, be-all, yeah. but the gap between the Super Bowl and today is a good couple months. It's like five or six months right there, so you have to think about What's happening between, and there's some mental things that happened in the preseason. We didn't score too much. We didn't really have too much fluid, fluidity, but this is the preseason, and now we're talking about the regular season. We're going to see our defense step it up. They've been turning up this whole preseason, and I think they can hold the Falcons, who haven't been too great in the preseason either, to a good amount of points to just a lower amount. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be interesting. But Carson Wentz still not clear for contact. When do you guys think he'll get back on the field? I'm going probably week two or three. Yeah. I think I don't think it's too much. We're too far along. I just don't think they wanted to put him out against the Falcons because they're a real physical defense and they can really attack the next. Well, two it's games. not about that. He wasn't even cleared to play, so yeah. I don't think it's about that. I don't think they would. I, I just feel like they would just keep that on the road. I think play. he'll probably come back maybe about week four, just because. If he was going to be cleared, one week I don't think would make that much of a difference between if you can play or not in your knee. So I think they're going to like let it sit out for about two, three weeks until like he's really feeling good. And I think if Nick Foles plays well through the first couple of games, then it gives, it gives them more of a reason to just let Carson just rest a little bit more. I know they're not saying, I know they said Nick Foles' performance wouldn't like determine when Carson comes back, but I think Nick Foles' uh, performance does the like oh, I think it does factor into it. Too. I think I think that he has to get cleared first, though. I think that he, I, see they said he wasn't cleared, and he obviously isn't. But when you watch some of the video, yeah. when you when you hear how he it's just talks clear for about content. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you hear him talk about his injury and how how he thinks he's ready, I, I don't see why he won't be ready by week two. But at the same time, they the Eagles play the Bucks week two, and then they play the Colts week three. So I mean, I don't think there's any reason to play him at that point. Mm-hmm. I think. It is if if Foles does do bad against the Falcons and he does get cleared, I think you put him in. Yeah. But if Foles does okay and he's still like iffy on getting cleared, I think just play Foles Bucks game maybe Colts too, or I think they might. Uh, I think Doug Peterson will probably uh, might um, do uh, let him sit out week two and then go in on an easy game before the hard game. Mm-hmm. You know. It just he, yeah. I just think once they get him cleared, they're just gonna let him get like a full week of practice with the guys. So like mm-hmm. they have a full game plan with Carson because if they're coming in throughout the week game planning with Nick Foles and then Carson gets cleared on Thursday, it's gonna be hard to just switch up the game plan like that. So I think once Carson is cleared on a on a time when he has like a couple of days to actually run through a game plan and game plan for a team, then I think that he'll play. So I don't think we'll be waiting that long. No. I think him and Alshon will probably come back the same week. I think they'll probably come back week three. Oof. I think that's the game that will settle in for them. They can get their connection back because, like, Nick Foles had a good connection with Alshon when he was there, but I think that emanated from when Wentz was there because Wentz was – that was his go-to guy other than Ertz. Like, if he needed a security blanket, he throws the Alshon because he's a big target. He's He's tall. He can jump. So he's a good target to have for you. 
So I think Wentz will probably come back off his injury week three, and I think we'll be fine. Yeah, um, let's go back a little bit to kind of all the quarterback situations that we said we didn't like. And I've seen, like, one common thing, and that's these rookie quarterbacks that are behind these quarterbacks getting overlooked. For example, like, um, Josh Allen, it, what came into training camp as the third-string quarterback. And so did Josh Rosen, and so did Lamar Jackson. And Josh Rosen, I'm pretty sure, is still the third-string quarterback. Yeah. But like out of these three guys, and also Baker Mayfield, who do you think can touch the field first? Since Sam Darnold will be the first rookie to start, but minus Sam Darnold, who do you think can get on the field first? I, I, think, I think that you think Rosen. I think Rosen because I think Sam Rafford's just gonna make make mistakes. I think that's what he is. I think he's not gonna have the ball moving. He's gonna be stuck. He's gonna get sacked. He's gonna crumble, and then they're gonna have to end up putting Rosen in it because they're gonna have to go through. They're not gonna go through the. The second option, I promise you, they're just gonna. That's skip Mike over Glennon. Him. Mike Glennon, yeah, they're gonna skip over. They were trying him. to trade him. He was on the trading block, like coming into the, like coming into the regular season, but I don't think they. Found because he's not valuable. He's not valuable. <laughs> you you, you <laughs> drafted <laughs> your number your number ten pick was the quarterback. So why wouldn't you play him if your number if your starting one is doing? Terrible? I think I think the first one we have to see would probably be Josh Allen. I think Nate Pierre is probably gonna come out and just. Throw a oh, bunch of picks again, you know? <laughs> and Josh Allen, he's right there. I mean, you draft him seven overall. I don't see how you don't play him again. Like, Yeah. I want to see. I want to know what they see, what they actually saw on Peterman in training camp. And then if, if he actually shows out, then I'll obviously I mean, I'll be wrong. But like, I don't see him showing out. I mean, out. you said earlier, once you hit rock bottom, there's only, <laughs> only one way, one way to, go. to go. Five yeah. picks in one half, that's the lowest But right it, just, it just confuses me because, like, you can just tell, like, Baker Mayfield, Ty, like behind Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, no matter what he does, he's gonna leave at the end of this year. His contract's up. Sam Bradford, he's gonna leave after this year. His contract's up. Yeah. Nate <laughs> Peterman was drafted last year, and Josh Allen was drafted this year too. So what if Nate Peterman comes in, has a good season? This, let's say this team goes eight and eight, nine and seven. What do they do? Like what do they do? They just set themselves up for that. So I think it would just been logically right to just start Josh Allen because you haven't seen him yet, and like you know what's out of Nate Peterman because now if. Nate Peterman comes out and does good, then you just wasted a draft pick yeah. on, on um Josh Allen. I mean, I I think that that the Bills will probably just mess it up. Yeah. That, that's my opinion. Well, yeah, they, yeah. they they had to, they had Tarod last year, and he he technically did lead them to the playoffs. Well, he didn't have great stats. He didn't have great stats, but he technically yeah. led them. And when you and and the thing is, they they were trying. It seemed like they were trying to tank because they yeah. took him out for yeah. Peterman. That's when Peterman yeah. had the five picks. So when. When they finally realized Tarad could help them win, they kind of put him in, and then he got hurt. So I mean, I think they're they're gonna find a way to mess it up, probably. Yeah, to be honest, though, it doesn't really matter what the Bills do because like Brady's still in the division. <laughs> Brady's still in the yeah. division. No point, man. Man. Like, he I, said he I, wants to play four more years. The Dolphins, that? the Dolphins aren't getting it done. The, the Bills won't get it done. Maybe maybe the Jets if Sam Darnold comes out and is. Average, I guess, above average slightly, because like average Josh is not beating Josh, Brady, man. I'm not saying off the division, no. That, that division is already locked in. It's I'm just saying, I'm saying as far as like a wild card, because I don't know about slipping in, because I really think Tyrod really helped that team a lot. Possible. I think he really carried them far yes, enough for did. them to get it. Yeah, but um, sticking with football, let's move into our last topic of the day. But we're at the college level this time. We had three games this week with two ranked teams in it. Number six, Washington lost to number nine, Auburn, 21-16. to 16. Number eight, Miami got rolled over by number 25, LSU, 33-17. to 17. And FSU got shut down in uh, a 24-3 to 3 loss to number 20, Virginia Tech. 
all the higher seeds lost. That's really shocked me. That was probably my biggest t- takeaway from this weekend is just how week one, anything can really happen. And I give a lot of credit to the coaches who go out there and really get a challenge week one because it really can get like set your team off to a really good season. But also, if you do that and you lose, that can really hurt. Like for Miami to go out there and that game was so hyped that Miami LSU was playing. That was the game of the week, I'm pretty sure. And then that game with like the score was still closer than what the game was thirty three to seventeen that was kind of bad. Never seen that close. Yeah. But yeah, so what is your guys' biggest takeaway from this college football weekend? LSU <laughs> baby, I'm a little biased for this, but I'm proud of them. Like they won, they beat the, they were the underdogs in this. You gotta come out, and that's what you have to do when they rank you so low for twenty five, and you're playing a, a higher ranked team, and you come out and dominate. That's what. That puts you on the map. So I just think that's DBU. I think they take away <laughs> from that. Like that's I think that's I think that's a positive for them to go off of for the season. Because if you can beat a team that's in the top ten and you're ranked the top twenty five, even though you're an SEC t- team, it's still it's still like a big impact for you yeah, to move on. It is. No, I love I love seeing LSU beat them just because I I want LSU to get back to that point where they're competing with Bama every year, you know? Yeah. I want someone to compete with Bama, at least. Like, they, they don't get too much. Maybe they'll get Auburn this year. Georgia. Maybe they get, they, they'll they probably get Georgia this year. Hopefully, like I said, LSU. And then even even Florida maybe can make a yeah. comeback soon That's, enough. Yeah, they, they yeah. can. But one thing I noticed, though, like I was saying, is just the, the certain teams that these opening teams play. And like, Ohio State specifically, every year, they normally start out with a cupcake team. They come yeah. out there... And they roll them over. Like, who do you think should benefit if you're a team that barely wins against a cupcake team, or a team that goes out there against a ranked team and loses, and you're also a ranked team? No, I, I think the ranked team that that beats um, that beats the ranked team is obviously should should be making the the biggest jump, and then I think that the ranked team that lost that lost should should make a very small leap drop. backwards. Yeah, drop. Yeah, uh, like, like they're, they're just pending. because. You're, that's one loss. It's the beginning of the season. There, people have that one loss at the beginning. They still could possibly make the yeah. college football playoffs. Like there's teams that do that. Like Virginia Tech this week, they, they just shut down Florida State. They did. That's one game that that you want to say Florida State should just drop a little bit. But when you get shut down by anyone yeah. as as a twenty top twenty five team, I don't know. Yeah. I think Virginia Tech, like last year, they really came out to play. Like they they shut they shut them down completely. They they even got Francois back. After that season-ending injury last year, and, and he just did nothing. And Cam Akers, Cam Akers had an 85-yard run last last game. Uh, the, that game, he ended with 82 yards off 14. He attempts. was getting shut. The, the Florida State offensive line 13. is terrible. It's so bad. Absolutely they terrible. Really, they really showed how how bad it was, and that's why Florida State probably that that's like my takeaway, honestly. Like Virginia Tech came out to play, but Florida State really has so much improving now that they have a the new coach and a Taggart once a Jimbo Fisherman. Yeah, but, like, what I really saw was I was comparing Washington to Penn State, how Penn State played Appalachian State and had to go to overtime and won the game. And Washington lost to Auburn by five, who was ranked number nine in the country. And both of them moved down three spots. And I think that was a little bit harsh to the Washington side. I think Washington could have maybe just moved down one one spot and maybe have Auburn jumped in, jumped them. But Washington has been a driving force for the past couple of years. And for them to come out there, go against an SEC team, lose by five, and lose, drop three spots in the ranking in a Pac-12 conference, I think that's going to be hard for them to bounce back to try to get into the college football playoff. 
So them starting six already gave him a good leverage, but that one loss, the committee's gonna hold that against them. I feel like, and I think Definitely. that shouldn't be that shouldn't happen because it was week one, and they cho- like a lot of teams can just easily come out there, pick a division two school and just roll them over. But they came out there and they picked Auburn, and they lost. But they barely lost. Though. That's an SEC powerhouse right there. I mean, they're they're in the Pac twelve, so so if the, if they can do their job and and win the Pac twelve, I can see them making it. But it's still gonna be hard. But it's gonna be very hard. They played them close though. They so, did. I mean, they're definitely gonna look at it because you get you get like points. They yeah. kind of they kind of add up, you know. So Washington played them close. They're gonna look at that and say they just played they played an SEC team really close to start, and then they learned from it, and they they just kept winning. So if they just keep winning and do their job and win the Pac-12, I think they have a chance because I think the committee will probably think about it and be like. And be like, even though they lost, they only lost by a little bit to this really yeah. good team. And, and it depends how Auburn does. It, yeah, it all depends but on the Auburn. second loss would definitely end it there. I think think it end Especially it. in the Pac-12. Like, they, like, a lot of the times, you'll see two SEC that. teams get in. The Big Ten champion almost, oh, like, it's Ohio State. They're normally, they'll probably get in. And, like, whoever wins the ACC, basically, you have to think about. So, like, the Pac-12 is normally the conference looking on the outside. Same with the Big 12 minus Oklahoma the past couple years. But I think out of the Pac-12, like, that's the, like, out of the power conferences, that's the one that gets overlooked the most. So I think you have to come out there and go undefeated if you really want to make it. Kind yeah, of they, like they get overlooked a lot. They they usually don't even get like a second glance if you have one loss. Exactly. You know? Like USC came in, I believe two two years ago, and played Alabama week one, and, and they lost. But then they kind of picked it up. They yeah. I don't think I don't believe they made the college football mm-hmm. playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely didn't. But but they picked it up, and just because they have that one loss, it kind of it hurt. Them. Yeah, that's the best team for sure. Um, so early season, let's, who do you guys think can uh, take home this Heisman Trophy? I, 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 I was preaching this before the game, and then I was preaching it after, uh, Will Greer came out and just, yeah, he, he lit snapped. it up, man. I mean, he's, game. he's got a great receiver in Sills, but, but I see something in him. He, I, I, my, uh, I'm a Florida Gators fan, so I'm kind of, uh, I'm a little bit biased. So he started at Florida, he took the job, and then he was busted for PEDs. But when he had the job, he he was he was ruthless. He would just beat up on teams. Like he he was that guy. So I saw that potential. Like yeah, you're doing PEDs, but is that really making your your you arm you that much more accurate? Your it's gonna make your arm stronger, but the accuracy's all on him, man. So so you you saw some of the throws he made uh, in uh, in the game the other day. He he was making those those tight window throws. He he had two to his best receiver. When you can get it to your best receiver. Who's reliable, like like th- that's really good. And they played an SEC team. Yeah, he, he threw five touchdowns against against a, a good team. You can't say they're great. They're not great. They're yeah. an SEC team. If they weren't really in the good. SEC, Tennessee would roll over a lot of conferences. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so I mean, just seeing him come out and throw five touchdowns and over, I believe it was over four hundred yards. Maybe yeah. he he just he snapped. He did really well, and I, I think that's right now. He, he's a he should be the front runner. He's he's a great he's a great player. See mine. I might get a little hate on this one, but I'm probably going to go to it. I think Tua has the dynamics to be a great player. I'm not going to get mad at that. I think <laughs> I think his NFL, pro, like his matchup, if you were to look at someone in the NFL and to look at the way he plays, I'm going with Russell Wilson, that, where he, can make, where he can, can make crazy plays, he can make plays on the spot, and he's pinpoint accurate. He'll get the ball, he'll get the ball where you need it to be. He'll make the smart decision. He's only a sophomore now, but... Keep giving him the time to develop because this is he just got past his first start and he did pretty well, so against the Louisville team who's not too great but still has like a solid couple players on defense. They were they were talking about on on that show Get Up earlier uh, yesterday I believe 
and they were saying that that Tua could be could be the LeBron of the NFL. Like I, I don't I don't see that happening. Like no one's gonna be LeBron of anything anytime soon. Yeah. But, but just for someone to say that to speak that possibly into in such a short time yes i, I see there, there's potential i actually like that pick i don't, I don't know about heisman just because he has it's a just, just uh, he could year. definitely win one before but he we're talking graduates. NFL, but yeah you could definitely win before he graduates got another year after this uh my pick for the heisman is gonna be trace mcsorley and so, i just yeah. think trace mcsorley because he in the appalachian state game penn state's defense struggled but their offense still managed to put up 45 points which they should have but Trace McSorley looks so good. Like, he he made the throws that he wasn't making two years ago when he was first a freshman. And even last year, every year he just slowly got better and better. And now this year, I think he's t- ready to take the next step. And he reminds me of the guy who won the Heisman last year in Baker Mayfield. They're, they're short quarterbacks. They're really mobile, but they're not – they don't live by their legs. They, they're they good with the read option, and they know how to throw the ball. And – Penn State's really going to rely on Trace McSorley a lot this year, as they did in that game. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns from rushing and throwing the ball. Yeah, no more Saquon. No more Saquon. And Miles Sanders didn't really live up to the hype after one game, but that's only one game. But still, we'll see what uh, Trace McSorley can do under the bright lights Saturday. But I mean, I could see McSorley winning, and I just saw that there were some there were some mental errors in this game. He was he wasn't as sharp as I thought he was uh, last year and two years ago when they made, almost made that run to the college football playoffs. And I, I don't. That's not something I would want to see out of my quarterback. Honestly, you gotta gotta. Hopefully, that's just the jitters. He gets those out of the way. But that that's Appalachian State's not. It's not a power yeah. five team. Mm-hmm. So kind of as as Penn State as a Big Ten, as the as the Big Ten almost powerhouse 10. in the past few years with that same quarterback for three years. I think he has to make that step now. And yeah, I don't think does. I don't think he can come out next week and do bad, or else it's yeah. it's finished. I think it was just the Appalachian State game. I think it was a good game for him. I think it was a little shaky at some points, but I think he's going to look back on this game and be like, this is the game that really impacted how he impacted how he's going to play for the rest of the season. Like, he's going to buckle down. He's going to focus because he sees the mistakes that he made then, and he's going to correct those because we've seen improvement over the past couple of years. So I think this could be his year to make a big run for it. I hope they do. I, I want to see Penn State make it that, that lead. They had it two years ago. They were very close, and they were just barely out. And then last year, beside, uh, if they didn't get that uh, second loss, uh, they, they had a chance. I, I would love to see it. You got to see new teams eventually. Like, Bama can't yeah. always be in it. Clemson can't always be in it. Bama is going to always they, be They probably it. will until Nick Saban's gone. But yeah, so but <laughs> as we wrap up, since we're already on the topic, let's get our uh, college football playoff predictions. Early early season early. predictions, I should say. Uh, see, mine, it's Bama. I think Bama's number one. Mm-hmm. Two would, like you said, could be a Heisman winner He's gonna be this year or next year. But this year, he'll do well. They still got Hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they're clear number one. They obviously got a great defense, too. Clemson I have is number two. I think Kelly Bryant in, is this his third year? No, his second, second. year. He he has that potential. People are already saying. People are, were saying last year he could be better than Deshaun Watson. If the, if he has that potential, I think they come together. They already, they already have a great defense. And he, yeah, he could do it. Next, I'm going Oklahoma. Oklahoma is they have they have this this guy in Kyler Murray who who's going to the MLB next year, but he's a he's a heck of a he's a heck of a football yeah, player. He, he, he was lighting up the team that, that came out and shocked almost everyone last year in FAU and even though FAU is not a power five conference, uh, they're not in the power five conference, they're not bad. They have a coach in Lane Kiffin who who knows what he's doing. And then you got you got uh the leader in uh, rushing touchdowns last year, and Devin Singletary, who's just a monster. He got a touchdown last game, but 
they really shut that team down. And, and that team, I really believe to have, like, have a chance to get move into, like, the top 25, top 20 this year and now. It's either Oklahoma's really good or FAU's not good, and I believe Oklahoma probably is just really good. And then uh, fourth, I got Georgia. Georgia looks solid. They beat up on Austin PA, what, 45 nothing. They look solid. I moved them down one just because I had Oklahoma beating a better team. Like, that we, had that, uh, mm-hmm. we had that talk before. So, yeah, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia. That's where I... Yeah, my matchup for number one, of course, I'm going to go Bama. I think two is going to be... I think two is going to be that player this year. I think he has a chance at the Heisman. Nick Saban's the godfather of the college football. <laughs> he's been running it for... He's been running it for years now. He's going back to the playoffs as the number one seed, looking to defend his title, as he will. Um, my number two is probably... I'm going to agree with you and go Clemson, because I think Clemson has... with. I think they've always had that solid comfortability within their team where they feel like they know who they are as an identity and they feel like they can score and they can put up with the best of them. I think that makes the I think that's the best argument for them. My third team, I'm going to actually go Auburn. I think Auburn could creep wow. in. I think that's they could just I think they could be a solid team that slides themselves in that makes their efforts worth it I'm trying to say I think that they're going to have a good season I can't really see them taking too many losses just because they have a strong defense and then my fourth team see I'm going to I don't know about this one the fourth team I was tossing it up between Georgia and Ohio State but I think I'm going to go with Ohio State I think they're going to have a strong season out the Big Ten this year and I think they're going to catch that fourth seed I mean I I thought Auburn was actually a really interesting pick do you think that their defense can really bring them that extra distance to the to like being the, a number uh top four team this year because their offense didn't look at any great like they but, had Stidham who's been there for more than a year and he just he could barely do anything like I know they were playing a good team but as as a second year guy as as someone for a SEC team you gotta I think you gotta do better than him so do you, do you really think that their defense yeah. can do it I think defense goes a strong way in college football yeah. because I think that I think offense plays this big role, but when it comes down to it, like the big games, the defenses are the ones who have to step up and make that certain play, that certain stop. Like I think Bama's defense, they're always they have a whole bunch, they have a lot of speed on that defense. They have a lot of, I want to say girth to their defense. Like their defensive line, they always have impactful players. Like the the Will Cameron Payne that came out. He's on the uh, the Redskins now. Deron Payne. Deron Payne. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, my fault. <laughs> Deron Payne. I think they have. Players that help them set up their offense to do make it look that much better. So I think Auburn's defense could push them, and as long as their offense slowly starts to catch up, I think that that's impactful enough for them to make it. Oh, I would love to see Bama versus Auburn. I'm not yeah. I love that prediction. Uh, well, my top four is gonna start with Alabama. I don't really have to do a lot of explaining there. <laughs> we already got that one. Uh, number two, I'm going to Ohio State. Ooh. This this offense has so much firepower with Dwayne Haskins, Mike Weber. And J.K. Dobbins, these guys are just so dominant. Just that quarterback and those two running backs can take you so far. You saw what Penn State did with McStorley and Saquon Barkley. Now you have Haskins and two elite running backs. Dobbins is just different, man. And when Urban Meyer comes back, he's still one of the best coaches in college football. You can't deny that. you think he's coming back? Yeah, he is. I think he is. um, Interesting. So, yeah. (laughs) And um, number three... I'm going to have a surprise team, and I'm going to Virginia Tech here. Ooh, I like that. I think that just because... They're going to upset Clemson if it comes down to it to win the Big 12. I was watching that Florida State game, and that defense looked so dominant. They couldn't do anything. Francois is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, 
and they shut him down. They got pressure. That defense just plays so hard, and they hustle so hard, and that's a defense that can really win. Akers had minus three on, yeah, on Cam, 13 Cam rushes a- after the 85. Cam Akers is just a great running back, and they, they shut him down. Yeah. And fourth, I'm going to go Oklahoma. They, they're they here every year, I feel like. They're just a deep team, great coaching staff. And uh, Kyler Murray can just take them any place that they really want to go. So I think that, yeah, Alabama, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, and um, what was the last team I just said? Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's I like a safe pick just you because I think Murray's I think Murray's gonna be a freaking nature right. at his position, so yeah. he's gonna be a really he has a good arm. He's got I'm, like I'm upset that we don't get to see him in the NFL, honestly, but I I'm interested to see if he yeah. actually goes to uh the MLB because yeah. I know he was he was early. I think he was like third overall in, in the MLB draft, like yeah. it's pretty it's yeah. early. People can go in like twelfth rounds, you know? He went early. Yeah. He could have been like a Lamar Jackson pet <laughs> got that on yeah got that on well that wraps up today's logic sports podcast we had a lot of fun today but real quick let's get some score predictions for tonight's games i'm gonna go f- atlanta falcons 17 14 in a low score Ooh, game how about you guys oh i'm gonna go eagles 24 falcons 17 what about you dan <sighs> see i've been saying this whole time that i probably think it's gonna be a blowout i, I- i'm gonna go I'm gonna go twenty three to seven. I think our defense really will step up. We did the last two times we played them, so hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> okay, well that does it. Don't forget to join us on Sunday for the Logic Sports NFL Sunday pregame podcast, and next week on Thursday for the next episode of the Logic Sports podcast from Shamar Davis, Daniel Pleat, Nasir Subar. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys soon. See you.